welcome to our show, our podcast, Children's Relit. I don't know what number we're on anymore. Five. Number five. Five? Wow. I've already lost track. Okay. Um, <laughs> my name is Shirley. I'm Julie. And we've been best friends since the fourth grade. And one of the things that we loved as children and we bonded over was books. So what we do in this podcast is we reread books that we read as children and see if uh, our feelings about them have changed, if we still love them, if, you know, we have a different perspective on them. Hopefully we've learned something, you know, in the last <laughs> many years since then. You know, just basically discuss that, discuss mm. the credit of that book. Yeah. So um, a little bit about us and why we're doing this. So I've been a librarian for over 10 years, primarily as children's and a young adult librarian. And basically that's it. I love books. Yeah. Julie. Hi, I also love books. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Um, Yay. Yeah, yeah. I'm a computer scientist, PhD student, but I miss books. So let's talk about books. Books. Not computers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, the book that we're reading this week, or we read for, I guess not this week. Ooh, lies. Uh, The book (laughs) we read for this podcast is The Lives of Christopher Chant, written by Diana Wynne Jones. We really love Diana Wynne Jones, which you will find Mm -hmm. out as we yeah. gush over her. Yeah. Um, the but The Lives of Christopher Chant is um, a book published originally in 1988. It's, um, well, I'll just read the bio and synopsis and you'll get a ton of info. So Diana Wynne-Jones was a British author best known for her fantasy and children's novels, including the Crestomancy series, of which The Lives of Christopher Chant is one of the seven books set in this universe, Howl's Moving Castle, which was adapted by Miyazaki. But it's so different. So it's you so really different. should read the book if you've yeah. only seen the movie. It's They're both fantastic, but they're both quite different. Yeah. And the Dale Mark Quartet. And again, she's written a ton of other books. Um, we'll, I'll probably link it in the show notes, but go and read everything. Yeah, so, that's uh, our takeaway. Read them all. <laughs> read everything. Read them all. Uh, yeah. She was raised by negligent parents. Um, and many of her prag- protagonists also have negligent parents and succeeded despite their sucktitude. During World War II, she was sent to live in the countryside with her two sisters, and she encountered famous children's authors, uh, one of whom was Arthur Ransom, who complained that the children made too much noise, and apparently famously Beatrix Potter, who slapped her across the face because she hated children. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of awful yeah <laughs> um, she studied at oxford and took classes with famous professors c.s lewis and J.R.R. tolkien so i think that's actually really cool i think they they probably had some influences on her like her philosophies although they were not english professors were they Oh, wow. What a great question. I don't know what. So I do know that they, she tells this kind of legendary story about um, taking a class taught by Tolkien and Tolkien really didn't want to teach at all. He just wanted to sort of like do his academic linguistics, academic yeah. stuff. Um, so he purposely like taught very badly. He would just like mumble very quietly and just write on the chalkboard and like everyone dropped the class except for Diana Winjoe and she just like stuck it, stuck it out. So he was yeah. not able to like, you know, just blow off class and go. I don't know, analyze like Finnish root, roots or whatever it was he actually wanted to do. Um, so I don't know if she learned anything from him or not, but it is it is interesting that there was this sort of like passing of the torch with C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien teaching her at Oxford. Yeah, yeah. The the biography I read said that uh, C.S. Lewis was a really good lecturer, like a really good professor, and his classes were always really packed and he was really animated and very interesting. But yeah, Tolkien, I think, was much more on like the academic 
you know, <laughs> leaning side. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know what C.S. Lewis taught. I don't know. Maybe look it up. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. I, so I feel like we do. We've done a little bit of research for this podcast, but it's kind of minimal. Uh, you know. You know. Listen. Well, okay. it's weird. So you know, I'm. I, we'll probably talk about this more in the thing. But like for the other podcasts, like I kind of Google the books and see what other people have written and stuff. And sadly, not as much is written about her works. I feel mm-hmm. like as some of the others but we'll get into that later we'll get um, into that for wait, sure yeah let's finish this okay yeah so um the world became a little bit crappier when she passed away in 2011 from lung cancer so i think famously she was a smoker mm, yeah and so lived a pretty pretty long life uh despite yeah that. yeah yeah but don't smoke kids yeah okay. don't smoke. um Anyways, uh, so my my takeaway for her biography is she's an awesome writer. Go read all her books. Mm. Okay, and so then here is my. I'm just gonna drop in with a quick like fact from Wikipedia. C.S. Lewis uh, was the chair of medieval and Renaissance literature at Cambridge. Right. Uh, I guess that would be after whatever he did at Oxford, but you know, I, I imagine he didn't bounce around too much. So interesting. I would have thought he had done like philosophy or religion because it's so like yeah like, like a big theme throughout his books yeah right huh. yeah so that's what you would think but mm. totally wrote a ton of books about christianity but uh yeah, yeah. very like interesting people and renaissance literature all right let's let's go back to what we're actually talking about yeah but people who want to know about lewis don't they? <laughs> that's the what they're here for demand our knowledge. yes that's true <laughs> We love okay. Yeah. okay, so my not super brief synopsis, because they're never brief. Um, <laughs> so Christopher Chant is an only child. His mother and father are distant, like how the parents in Mary Poppins are distant. Uh, <laughs> he isn't even sure he'd recognize his father out on the street. That's how distant they are. <laughs> um, and his mother is very interested in improving her social standing. So she's like a social climber. His parents do not seem to like each other very much. They apparently only communicate through snarky notes passed between their <laughs> servants. Which is hilarious. They're so snarky. Like, they literally write them or tell each other. Like, it's like, Jeeves, tell the master this. As they're standing next to each other. It's just so dumb. It's so great. Okay. His parents do not seem to like each other. Also, surprise, they're powerful magic users. Christopher was raised by a lot of governesses and nannies and such. And his life is really kind of boring and awful. Like, it doesn't seem like he does anything. Mm. Um, but he actually has a really awesome escape. He can, in his dreams, visit these other worlds. Not, like, just dreams, but he literally goes there and he's brought back things and, you know, he can bring things there. These worlds he calls uh, their alternate reality worlds or he calls them serieses. Uh, his mother's brother, Uncle Ralph. Uncle Rafe. Rafe. Rafe, sorry, Rafe. it's spelled Ralph, but yeah. they're British. So like Rafe, Rafe Fines. I know. <laughs> but it looks like Ralph, like King yeah. Ralph. Yeah, I realize every single time, like, I get to the point where they, they'd, like, explicitly say how you're supposed to pronounce Uncle Rafe's name. And I was like, oh, Rafe, Rafe, that's so funny in British. And then, like, halfway through, I forget. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you get Rafe from that spelling, though. I'm so, um... Like we're already like I don't think we've ever done a tangent in the synopsis before, but um I was really curious if there there's so there's a line in the book which explains that it's pronounced Rafe and not Ralph. Yeah. And I've yeah. I've always wondered, like, did they put that in the American edition or is that in the British edition also? Mm-hmm. And also, 
do British people just say it both ways? Like, y'all are weird. <laughs> I don't know. If we ever get British listeners, we should <laughs> comment. Like, let us know. First, first, we have to get listeners. And then we'll start. <laughs> then we'll go international. <laughs> <laughs> listeners. And yeah. then British <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right. This is high hopes here, yo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Aim for the stars. <laughs> okay. Oh, so anyways, Uncle Rafe discovers this talent and soon recruits him to assist with experiments in these other worlds. He uh, meets Takroy, who is also a spirit traveler, and they become good friends and they bond over particularly love of cricket. Christopher also has a random short jump to boarding school where he dies in a cricket accident and therefore discovers that he's a multi-lived magician. A very particular version of multi-lived magicians, there's a I guess they go from like, z- like one to I can't say zero, you'd be dead. Uh, one <laughs> yeah, there's no zero zero lived enchanters. We don't we thought we know about. Yeah. So it's, he's a very rare nine lived magician, and then he goes to live with Cranstomancy, uh, which is a title mm. in this England. Uh, all the Cranstomancies are nine lived magicians. Um, so he's going to train to become the next Cranstomancy when. This one retires. Mm. So then he's in the castle of Crestomancy, Crestomancy Castle. It's a very good title. <laughs> so there's a villain called the Wraith, who's a smuggling in a ton of illegal magical goods, including things like dragon's blood, mermaids, flesh, etc. Mm. Mm. You know, suspiciously doing some of these experiments, things smelled like fish and mm. there were dragons, you know, mm. but coincidence. <laughs> uh, during one of these journeys to series 10, he meets the living Asheth, a goddess and befriends her and steals her cat. Although I guess she gives him gives him. Oh, it's a swap. They swap for. Oh, it's yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the temple cats are like super special. And the swap is that he gives her a bunch of books because she's super bored. Mm. Um, and it's like these kind of I think kind of trashy <laughs> schoolgirl <laughs> about a girl named Millie. Mm-hmm. That was my impression. Yeah. And so the living Asheth eventually runs away and probably about two thirds of the way of the book, halfway through the book. Yeah. Like two thirds. Yeah. And helps Christopher save the world from evil elves that live on series nine and <laughs> series, Ra- 11. <laughs> series 11. Sorry. I wrote series 11 and I can't read. <laughs> Sorry. It's very important that they're from series 11. <laughs> I wrote 11. <laughs> That's so funny. I do that also. I'm like so bad at like saying numbers out loud. <laughs> Uh, have, so you know there's dyslexia yeah dyscalcia yeah did I, I think i have that i think i have it too <laughs> so bad at reading numbers like barcodes i hate reading barcodes like library mm. barcodes suck yeah call numbers i can't read them can't okay do it. so uncle rafe is the wraith uh, mm. which and... also i'm sorry again because i would always like oh it's pronounced rafe and then like half of the book i'd forget like i think at this time i realized like oh that's a pun I get it. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. It's a... What? It's uncle... Yeah. It's the Rafe. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> Literally this time. Y'all, we're 40 years old. <laughs> I never got that. <laughs> so, I think I read the book so fast. I, read, I would skip so quickly. I don't even think I thought the fact that his name was Rafe in previous books. I probably just always read Ralph. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, Ralph, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. whatever details. Okay. Also, Christopher Yeah. 
<laughs> I just a bunch of more times. Like, he keeps dying. Um, but thankfully, at the end of the book, he still has two lives left, and, like, all this stuff happens, which we'll talk about. Like, it's just really, it's like, there's so much going on. This is a actually a pretty long kid's book, I think. Hmm. I have a paperback version. I have not the original copy I read, but it's an old copy. I, I do have the receipt for this one. Nice. Let me see if I can find the date. I bought this in 2001, so that would not nope. be my original copy. Nope. But I bought it at Borders. R.I.P. Borders. R.I.P. Borders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what was... I, you'd think I know this by now. What was our first <laughs> experience? Memory of this book. <laughs> okay, so um, not only is this this book not in my dad's garage, the the original copy that, of this book that I own is is with me right now. I rewrote like this copy, and so the copy I have is published in 1990. So it's definitely the one that I read as a kid. It's terrible. Also, it has this really awful picture that I've always I've always kind of hated uh, on the cover. Christopher looks terrible. Um, I hate it. Anyways, so that would definitely put us in kind of like late elementary school. I know I know the first Diana Wynne Jones book I ever read was Witch Week, which is um, also in the Crestomancy series. And I don't know precisely. I remember, um, I mean, I think this is still true. Like Diana Wynne Jones books were always so difficult to come by that they were always just these like weird little treasures that you would find. So I know I read this book like a million times. I read... Uh, all the ones I could get my hands on a million times. So I don't have any like specific memories of reading it like for the first time. I will also note that. Um, so in, in which week, which is another of these sort of um, alternate reality, uh, alternate world uh, stories. I wrote an essay in junior high in which I, for some reason went into a lot of detail about um, Guy Fawkes successfully blowing up parliament which happens in Witch Week, but did not happen in our world. <laughs> so I did not, A, I didn't understand that book, evidently, but B, I, I learned uh, <laughs> false English history from Witch Week. Um, did the teacher I, call you out? I did not get any feedback on that essay. So either they themselves didn't know, or they were like, uh, this is the least of Julie's problems. <laughs> 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 Yeah. But I mean, thinking about it, though, like, honestly, <laughs> I mean, Americans in general know so little about guy folks. No, 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 no. But, I don't know why you would. I mean, like, literally, no. it's like the mask from V from Vendetta is like kind of your only uh, uh, association, right? Yeah, that's it's like what still, Americans might know. It's like it is also, uh, like, if we're just going to talk about how weird British people are, which I think we should, um, yeah. it's deeply weird that they have a holiday about yes. someone failing to perform a terrorist act. Yes. Like, A, he's like a terrorist. Terrorist. And B, he was an unsuccessful terrorist. Did he blow so, himself up? Uh, well, see, now I've, like, I feel like I don't know anything. So let me actually, like, confirm uh, what it was that Guy Fox actually did do. But I think he was in that era where everyone had, like, Van Dyke mustaches, which is why <laughs> the <laughs> mask has that, like, face. Uh-huh. Like they look like that because that's the era. It's like I think is it Kim James or something? Yeah. It's like yeah. after yeah. Elizabeth, but before the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm confirming from Wikipedia that he was captured, he was tortured, he was put on trial, and he was executed. Okay. So he okay. Just totally failed to blow up to Parliament. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those. Okay, so I think this is. Okay, so 
Let, let's backtrack. So yes. I don't have a specific memory of reading this book for the first time. I think the first book that I probably read of hers was Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, okay. All right. Solid start. Probably you gave it to me. In fact, the copy I have is the copy you gave me. So I remember that copy very well because I liked the cover illustration very much. And I felt like, oh, I should give it to Shirley, but I want to keep it. But I gave it to Shirley. <laughs> I still have it. Because <laughs> we're best friends. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember House Movie Castle reading that. And I think I went back and then probably like borrowed from the library or borrowed from you like rest of the books. Mm. And so like actually my memory of these books uh, is they're all kind of blurred together. Like I actually was getting this book mixed up with, I think it's Charmed Life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Eric Chant? Chant? Yes. Cat Chant? Yes. Yeah. And so like they kind of all blurred together. So rereading this was actually kind of surprising for me because I was like, oh, I don't remember any of this. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. But yeah, it was hard to find these books. Like, because Mm. I used to go to the library like, in high school, my mom was taking me to the library every single Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like after dinner, we'd go to the Yorba Linda library and I would basically borrow the maximum amount of books I could. I think mm-hmm. it was like 30, 35 books. No way. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And not just during the summer. It was like during the school year. Wow. <laughs> I didn't do homework. I just read books. That's awesome. So I was reading like three books a day. Generally, it <laughs> was fine because it's like I just read about anything look interesting. I just grabbed all these books off my shelf. And so I was just reading tons of these books. But like, yeah, I was going and read. I think I know I borrowed Archer's Goon, but did not understand it. Okay. You know, but I think it's again, it's because like I think her books are so tied into like their Britishness that you maybe don't always understand every element of it because like the whole concept of boarding schools is foreign to most Americans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's what's kind of great because um, the goddess uh, becomes obsessed with the idea of going to boarding school because she reads these boarding school novels from this totally foreign, like alternative reality to her. And like us as Americans, I think also are like, wow, like this foreign notion of going to border school. That's so awesome. We also want to go to boarding school. So basically, we might as well be from series 10. Oh, Oh, you know, actually, what's really interesting is I, I read somewhere that the reason why in a lot of young adult books, Mm-hmm. They are in boarding schools, even though boarding schools are pretty rare in American culture, is because those books were originally written with college age protagonists. But because college age protagonists is like not a thing, then they de-age them and put them in boarding schools. Wait, what? Like what? What? What books are you thinking of? Like I heard that was just like a thing. So like oh. I don't know if it's totally true, but like Looking for Alaska takes place in a boarding school. But, like, could totally take place in a college. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if that's actually what John Green intended and had to de-age them. But I read that that was, like, a common thing for white. Wow, that's fascinating. Because I thought that sort of the... um... Because I don't think there's a lot of characters or books that take place in a college age or colleges. I guess you're right. Um, You definitely read a lot more YA than I I do. Um, Huh. That's interesting. Like, Isn't it also a thing, though, that, like, um, kids like to read about kids that are, like, a little bit older than they are? That is the commonly accepted, uh-huh. you know, thing. I don't know okay. whether it's 100% true, but yeah. generally when we buy books for children, they tend to be a little bit older than themselves. So 
like Percy Jackson, those characters are primarily junior high, early high school age. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you would say that the primary readership is usually like upper elementary and junior high age. Mm. It's like target audience, like sort of like 12 and the characters mm-hmm. like 13, 14, 15. Yeah, I don't know. That's just like how we kind of perceive of it. Now, it, it doesn't always follow. So you have a book like The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I haven't read that book, but I had to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, the protagonist is in high school, but that is not necessarily a YA book. So like my philosophy on what a YA book is, is like not only does the characters generally are teens, mm-hmm. but also there's a certain level of emo-ness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I buy it. I buy it. Without that emotional pull, like something that a child or a teen is going to identify with, Mm -hmm. what's the difference between that and just a book about a young person, right? Like, or a memoir of someone writing about their own teenage years or something. I don't know. Like, like there has to be something that resonates with those young people. That's probably going to be like crazy feelings. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, there is plenty of like literary fiction that is about you know, teenagers or children, but are not, that's not YA. So yeah, yeah, I totally buy it. That makes sense. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of like college set books. The only ones I can think of off the top of my head are the magicians. What's that? Um, Rainbow Rowell's book, Fangirl. Did I read that? It's pretty good. (laughs) Is that in college? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The the main character is a freshman in college. Okay. Oh, no, I did read that. That was with the twin sisters. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, well, that is really good. Oh, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. I read it late. Wind, I... Winding it back, winding it back, winding it back. Come back lie. to this. I mean, the other good thing about boarding school is the reason why like all of the disney princesses have dead moms is that our your heroes don't have parental supervision and can get into trouble. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's why they want to set it like away in school or whatever you know yeah. it's so that kids can run feral right yeah 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 um there's a school of thought also that like the british boarding school was such a like it's basically a um it's it's actually pretty what's the word i'm looking for it's pretty harsh like you're taking kids away from their parents when they're pretty young and like depriving them of kind of like Love. you know parental yeah love basically yeah there's a school of thought is basically like this is what you have to do to people before they're like you know colonialists basically (laughs) you have to make them into psychopaths um yeah that said when i was a kid i was like i totally want to go to boarding school (laughs) it sounds so fun (laughs) no (laughs) yeah that 100 does not sound fun to me (laughs) really that's hilarious no So, so i took a victorian england history class in college mm. which I was very terrible at because I didn't actually do any of the readings but I did go <laughs> to classes um but one of the books we were supposed to read was like it was a lot about boarding schools and basically like you know like the older kids all bullied the younger kids yeah yeah, yeah. if you were poor then they bullied you and if you're yeah. weird they bullied you and like yeah. it wasn't just like name calling but full-on like they would beat you or like yeah. sexually assault you yeah uh, Roald Dahl has a great memoir. I think it's just called Boy, which is about yeah. his experiences. Which lists like sounds pretty rough, sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, was and he I feel you like know. very common experience? It wasn't even like just just well off kids. It was like well, everyone kids. at the boarding school is well off. Hmm? I mean, they're all, this this is an upper class thing. 
Well, I think even like even if you're like a scholarship kid or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's it's a it's a crazy concept. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ah. All right. Okay. But so, what was your memory of it? Like, what would how did you think? Like, thinking back, what how would how did you feel about that book or how oh, feel about this book? Man. So this is the interesting thing with these. So I mean, like, I read literally anything Diana Wynne Jones wrote like a million times. But weirdly, I so this this book in particular was one of my very favorites. And um, Charmed Life, which I believe is the first one in the series that she wrote, I didn't really have a strong attachment to it. Um, mm. So it's a bit like uh, The Blue Sword and the Hero and the Crown, where the, the Hero and the Crown was written second and is a prequel. But I love it much, much more than the original. Mm. Um, but this book in general... I don't know why I think it like so as you say it has a ton of plot like a lot of stuff just happens yeah um, and it's like it's just so very quintessential Diana Wynne Jones this is mm-hmm. like just so much of like what like her, her qualities as a writer they're like all like so well represented in this this is one of those books that I have reread so many times and at so many ages that I feel like I have this kind of continuous feeling about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But you You have one very long feeling about it. I have a long (laughs) feeling about it, and it's really good. Um, But so since you uh, like maybe had a little bit more of a disconnect between now and then, like what what was your impression of the book at at that time? See, that's the thing. I really like I've read because I read I used to read like so many books, right? Like three a day or whatever. So (laughs) a lot of times. With books, unless I reread, reread them a lot, I have general impressions. So I'm like, I liked it. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you who the characters are. I don't know anything about it. Just, yeah, I remember it being a really good book, you know, or like, I remember that book being really boring. Like, <laughs> hence why I'm like the worst recommender in a library because I can't tell you details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I mean, in general, like reason, but so you talked about there's like the hallmarks of Diana Wynne Jones are in this book, right? Mm-hmm. And that is completely true. So there is definitely like the the world building is really amazing. Like yeah. the when you talk about the series, is they're they're all very different. It's basically kind of like with Endgame, like different points <laughs> in time in history, the worlds branch off. Yes. Right. And but so they're all, they're all real. It's not like there's one one timeline. They're all they're all these different worlds that yeah. coexist at the same time. And certain yeah. people can move between them. Yeah. 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 So they live on 12A. 12A. Yeah. We in our world live on 12B. So yes. it's very, very similar. However, no magic. Mm-hmm. And magic is very, very common in their world. Like it's not like in Harry Potter where it's a completely separate hidden right. universe, you know, within the muggle world or anything. It's like, no magic is out there and it's not like a secret. Yes. Um, yes. Or feared. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's very interesting. Um, I feel like the book takes place in kind of the late Edwardian era. Do you feel like? Uh, it sounds right? right, but I think it's a little bit confusing because magic. Uh, yeah, because 12A is like much less technologically advanced than 12B where we live. Yes. Um, so, for example, they have they have like motor cars, but they're very much like Wind in the Willows, like old fashioned motor cars. Yeah. It's not clear if this is like because of magic or because it's actually like, you know, 
Right. I don't know what. 1902. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. So, like, I kind of felt like it was literally, like, in, in Mary Poppins. Yeah, I mean, that does seem about right. I guess if we really wanted to do the math, we could, like, plot a chronology of, like, you know, like, Chris Ramethi is an adult in Charmed Life, but, you know, whatever. I don't really care that much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not really that important. It's not but, that important. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Like, it, it feels like it feels old world. Yeah. Actually, Mary Poppins is an interesting comparison. I hadn't really thought of that. What's what's kind of terrific about that is that like Mary Poppins is about like repairing the uh, like the father uh, child bond and mm-hmm. in like this book it's like a lost cause <laughs> like oh, yeah yeah the, the, the parents yeah uh, yeah he like Chris Christopher becomes more mature than most of his parents when he's like twelve like. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> His dad is like their his parents are both really powerful magic yeah. users. Yeah. But like I think his dad is like a businessman, but like a really bad businessman. He's and just like kind loses of a failure. Money. Yeah. He like loses all of his wife's money. Uh, he's just this kind of sad sack guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his mom, her family has money, but they're also known for kind of being like evil. They're not nice to know. Yeah. <laughs> They're social climbers. I mean, um, it turns out that his uncle is like a interworld magic smuggler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, who just open like brazenly kills people and mermaids and so on. Yeah, the mermaids make me so yeah. sad. Yeah, that's intense. It was dark. Like, I don't remember it being that dark. So, like- yeah. I mean, so one of the many things that I love about this book is that um, I feel like it kind of takes the emotional consequences of things pretty seriously. Like in Harry Potter, like a lot of bad stuff happens and like the kids just kind of bounce back a lot of the times. Right. Um, but like, for example, like as we alluded to, so one of the things that Christopher uh, inadvertently helps his uncle smuggle is like dismembered mermaids parts and the mermaids are like you know sentient beings that he has talked to you know he has talked to oh yeah they he used to hang to out with and yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. they know yeah. his name yeah yeah well kind of yeah. yeah yeah but this it's like a um it's like kind of a big moral uh turning point in the books is when he he realizes um that that's what his uncle was doing and it's like he's so horrified that they they're eating salmon sandwiches at the time and he like he can't eat because the the fish is like reminding him of mermaids and then yeah. there's a um an important point also where he's realized that Takaroy his uh, his spirit, spirit traveling friend is actually like working with his uncle and is also you know a criminal and there's this really important kind of like moral moment when he asks him if he knew about the mermaids and like the either being if like if he had known was kind of okay with it that he would have you know he would be irredeemable so things like that um i think also so the first time that christopher dies and kind of like realizes that he fully died um he you know is suffers this this cricket accident he's like hit on the head with a cricket back and mm-hmm. uh wakes up in the morgue and you know he's like it's cold he's in his underwear and like wrapped in a sheet and he's like in a room alone with a bunch of dead bodies and he freaks out like he fully has a panic attack is just like running through the hospital screaming (laughs) the first time or the second time it's actually the second time but the first time he didn't realize that he died (laughs) yeah yeah. the first time he was he speared himself through the chest yes yeah yeah Yeah. uh but it's like and it's, it's like it's a funny scene but it's also uh like pretty 
recognizing that it's like pretty traumatic to die and come back to life in like the morgue in, in the like, morgue the, yeah in yeah, the, yeah. Little, the little drawer yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's dark stuff yo yeah yeah so i feel like it, it, the the book really takes that stuff seriously i feel like the emotional consequences of things that happen are, are taken very seriously and that's just like oh here's a fun thing that happened or you know here's another wacky adventure that's true. Because I feel like, okay, so this is where I'm going to probably talk about Harry Potter a little bit. So right. I feel like there are a <laughs> lot of comparisons with Harry Potter and Crestomancy books. There are, I feel like, loose similarities. Like there is Pretty magic loose. in the world. There's yeah. a boarding school thing. I love uh, it, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like this is the book that people would have compared the most. And I feel like I'm like, it's not enough about a boarding school. Yeah, yeah, he's in school very briefly. <laughs> like, kind of inconsequential. But yeah. Like, the fact that he goes there to die. Oh, and Arabian Nights. I love Arabian Nights. Okay. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but like, it's not the same kind of thing where, again, like, so you're talking about how the things he does have actions. Those actions have consequences, mm. right? And yeah. ethical implications. Yeah. In Harry Potter, do they? Yeah. <laughs> Right? I mean, you talk about like council liberation, but yeah, that's a pretty uncomfortable one. There, and they kind of yeah. get over those dead students real quick. Yeah. Like somebody breaks their arm, it gets fixed. They're all good now. Like they don't. <laughs> I feel like they act very invincible. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like we've we've the internet has, I guess, like we've we've discussed literally everything about about Harry Potter, but it is like. Um, you know, frequently commented on that, like, no sane parent would send their kid to Hogwarts. It's so dangerous. <laughs> like, dangerous. She just homeschool them. <laughs> like, there was, isn't there a meme where it's like, if if I ended up going to the Harry Potter world and they were like, we're gonna send L post, and the person's like, why not an email? Email? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All this technology that would be way more efficient and better, and they were like, "No, ink and better." <laughs> I I have I have issues with Harry Potter, but I don't know. I feel like this book again. There's like really strong elements of humor because mm. even between all of this like crazy stuff going on, like you know, corpse smuggling, <laughs> you know, it, but the, it's like funny though. It's there's funny. A it's a really funny book. Yeah. I wonder if that's partially just like the whole like the British sensibility mm-hmm. is that they could find humor in these really kind of absurd yeah crazy moments. So um, if you've read, I speak to our listeners because I know Shirley has. If you've read um, anything that Diana Wynne Jones has written about her own life, you know she also had this like very weird upbringing where her parents were very much like absent and like she yeah. and her sisters seemed to basically raise themselves they were just like these feral children running around and so it really it, it just feel a lot like this book in that it like if you just reading this now you're just like that's horrible you had like a horrible childhood and she's kind of like yeah you know my parents sucked but like you know this yeah. is the way it was and that's that's kind of like yeah. i read um, it they said that her parents were both teachers <laughs> didn't actually want to be around their own children. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think, oh, they said her parents were neglectful and what was it? Not just neglectful, but like on the verge of like 
abusive because I think they were also really cheap. So mm-hmm. they only had like one extra bedroom or something. Mm-hmm. And because her parents were like, well, someone might want to come and stay with us sometime. So you guys are going to like you girls go live in the shed. Yeah, I think that's true. I think they, they lived in like a separate. Like building. an outdoor <laughs> half, half open shed and like the English. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like, because someone might come and visit. Right. <laughs> what? Uh, it's it's pretty crazy and then um so but I, I think you can see elements of that probably in a lot of her parental figures who mm-hmm. just like there are like no parents in her books yeah they don't seem to be great yeah I'm like mentally reviewing um yeah right yeah but this leads to sort of like um one of the major things that I love about Diana Wynne Jones is that she's really really good at writing these kind of like you know, third person limited perspectives in which um, like the main character does not really understand what's going on. Yeah. And maybe they like learn more as the book goes on in this kind of incremental way and their understanding of the world keeps changing. But they're not. Um, it's very clear that they don't they don't fully understand most of the situations that they're in. And I feel like that's like what kids feel like a lot of the time. Realistically, yeah. I think um, really the reader knows a lot more than what Christopher does. Right. Much sooner. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I think, I mean, when I read this when I was younger, certainly, it takes a long time to kind of twig to the fact that um, basically Christopher is an illegal smuggler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his his so he, when he first meets his uncle, he adores him because he's basically like, you know, he had, there's like no one in his life. Um, and he pays so this, attention to him. Yeah. So and this this you know uncle comes to town and is like you know, actually talks to him and he's just like, this is the coolest guy ever. Um, he gave me money. Yeah. He gives a sixpence, a sixpence, <laughs> which is, Oh uh, yes. Which is made of silver, uh, which he does not realize that silver is like his, his kryptonite and stops him from mm. doing magic. But yeah. What was I trying to say? Anyway. So uh, even reading it like this time around as an adult, there is a point at which um, uh, Tacroy, uh mm-hmm. Uh, is kind of trying to warn him. Um, so Christopher's yeah. complaining because he's been like just shipped off to Christomanti Castle and is going to be trained to be the next Christomanti. And yeah. he's like, I don't want to do any of this. I want to go back to school and play cricket and no one yeah. like everyone's using me. And Tacroy's yeah. kind of like, oh gosh, wow, it should be terrible if someone was using you. And he's like, he's just not picking up on it at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like I, a lot of it is like the reader is kind of right there with the main character and just sort of feeling like, this is my very limited understanding of what's going on. And part of it also is because like we as, uh, you know, 12B citizens, um, you know, we don't, we don't know about nine lived enchanters or like mm-hmm. how any of this stuff works. So we also, we just don't know about the world cause we don't, we're not from it. But uh, I really, really like that about Diana Wynne Jones. Uh, just this kind of like slow revelation of information. Yeah. Um, and also, so like, one of the things that I, I deeply love about this book also is that um, so Christopher has this very weird upbringing where first he's like basically like completely isolated and then he goes to school for a hot minute and then he's taken to see Dr. Pawson, who is this sort of like terrifying magician that just yells at him all the time and that he just like ends up yelling back at because it turns out he doesn't he doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets shipped off to Christmas Castle where they're like, no one really knows what to do with children. He's kind of either ignored or like given lessons that he doesn't really want to do. And so there's a point about like two thirds, three quarters of the way through the book where his uh, his tutor at the time 
just loses his temper at him is just like, you're such a terrible child. You know, you're just like, you're so surly. cruel and surly and sarcastic. It's like, you don't even have a soul. And he's just like, wait, I thought I'm nice. I'm a nice kid. And it's just like, you realize yeah. like, oh, he actually has become a terrible kid. You know, he's become this very like supercilious, snotty little you know, he's just just mean to everyone. And it's kind of because he's been like shoved into the situation that he didn't ask for and kind of, you know, neglected most of his life. But well, it's like his he's learned to react in that way because it's the only way he gets a reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But it's like it's very interesting because I, I don't think yeah. when I when I read that when his his tutor was like yelling back at him, he's like, this is why no one likes you. They're all afraid to talk to you because you're so mean. Right. And he's yeah. like, but I'm not mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. Everyone likes me. He's like, people like me at the boarding school. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. but I think it's this slow shift. And because it's all his perspective, you don't see how everyone else reacts back necessarily. Right. Because they just like he's just saying like everyone's just really cold to him. But you don't see why. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, it's hard for me to think of another example in which, like, basically a main character realizes they're a bad person, you know? It's mm. like that that really made an impression to me as a kid. And then sort of in the last, maybe, and also you realize, like, his friend Tackroy, a.k.a. Mordecai Roberts, is... It's a great name. It's a great name. They're both great names. Mm. Um, it's like one of, you know, one of his only friends, really. Uh, and it turns out that he was you know a using him and be using him to do this deeply immoral you know yeah he's uh, an agent for Rafe. yes for Rafe. 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 yeah yeah <laughs> yes um so you get all these these reversals of character and i think it's it's pretty sophisticated for a kid's book and i think that's you see that a lot in, in diana Wynne jones is that she doesn't pull her punches you see like characters you liked could be evil characters you'd like we're doing bad things, but are maybe redeemable. And then characters that you didn't like, like there's also this great part with the, uh, the current Crestomathy is this complete, like, you know, stuffy, or at least Christopher Teasem is this sort of stuffy, mean old man who has no, no patience for him. And at one point, so when, when uh, uncle Rafe attacks, uh, he splits the current Crestomathy into all of his separate lives and scatters his lives, like all throughout the, the, the 12, you know, the 12 Jesus. worlds. Series is yeah and so they they catch up with him um he's in the form of like a boy uh Mm -hmm. and he kind of like realizes that um there's this whole other side to his character that he never realized he really has like the he actually has a sense of humor Uh, yeah (laughs) uh and then there's this part i think we're like i realize this we're just jumping around describing these things that there's a ton of plot in this book that we did not describe But so when they finally like reassemble this guy's nine lives, um, he sort of like ages from a boy into like a, you know, the grown up uh, character before their eyes. And he realizes that um, actually this guy really didn't want to be at the Crestomanthe and really kind of hated it. And it took him a long time to come yeah. to terms with it. So one of my um, favorite scenes actually rereading it. I just thought that was so interesting because, you know, you again you're seeing one perspective, hmm. you know, in the beginning. And he's this like, again, he's like this kind of like, almost like old professor guy who doesn't want you in his house, you know? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Like yeah. Diana Wynne Jones when she went to go live in the countryside. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also seeing that, you know, like when he was a little kid, like how he sort of went through these different stages of mm-hmm. grief and acceptance and anger and, right. you know, like right. as he's takes on these responsibilities because it's a title, but like they have so many responsibilities in this world to like, mm-hmm. you know, prevent magic abuse and stuff like it's like they they do these kind of big magic saving things Mm -hmm. 
So it's like this huge responsibility. And to base and Christopher actually says at the end, he's like, wow, well, you know, I like I already kind of don't hate it. So like, yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already better off. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you're talking about like, I guess a lot of the characters have like a duality or multifaceted. They're not just yeah. single layered. Yeah. You know, like you can see that in um, like, a, yeah, like a lot of her books, like people you think are bad are good and good and bad. The governesses are the same way. His mm-hmm. the last governess. Yes. Right. Yeah. She's definitely he always talks about like how she acts a certain way around him, but mm-hmm. then like around his mother, his mother, he she never shows like her prettiness. Right. Yeah. There's this sort of phrase that 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 always gets used that she has a hidden prettiness that never comes out around uh, uh... other people. So yeah, it's interesting because yeah, everyone is sort of double faceted. Um, right. Which actually also like leads into something. So I read a, actually a um, a blog post by, I want to say Jenny Davidson about this. It's like, I feel like I never hear anyone talking about Diana Wynne Jones. So I was like super psyched to find this blog post. But she writes about how in her books, there's this like really common motif of someone who is somehow like, like they're missing part of their soul or there's like some aspect of them that's just missing or split off from them. Yeah. Um, like uh, we find out that uh, Tackroy, the reason why Tackroy is kind of has this sort of a moral quality is that uh, his soul is actually being held like on his home world of in series 11. Uh, yeah. He literally doesn't have his soul. Uh, like, you know, Hal doesn't have a heart, but Prince Creston and, and Hell's moving castles, like chopped up into like four different people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it's just, it's just this funny thing that clearly like Dan and Jones found really fascinating, this idea that you might not be like a complete person in some way and that you would have to be restored. You would have to like find, you know, the missing part of yourself and integrate Yeah. Well, I mean, even like it's within the, 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 the Christomancy itself was it, I see Gabriel was his name. Yeah. Gabriel DeWitt. Yes. Yeah. Like, right. He, he was literally also like had his soul split and was sort of scattered. Yes. Let me see. Let me see. Sorry. We're, <laughs> this is like an incredibly non sequitur pod podcast. Yeah. That's fine. That's why oh, you love okay. us. <laughs> Okay, how this book affected us? Eh, I think we kind of talked about that. Talked about that, yeah. What do you think about reading it? Oh, we've been talking about that. We're so smart. We're doing it without even doing so the questions. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we're doing a lot of this stuff. New perspective yeah. and insights. Yeah. Do you like it better or worse than now? See, the problem is, is I don't remember it back then, but, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there are other things that I like. There are definitely little things that I... Um, I'm trying to, they're not that interesting though. I think there's some just little turns of phrase that I, so actually, cause we've been talking about this a bit. There's, it was unclear to me, like as you know, a 10 year old American living in California, like which mm-hmm. aspect of the books are strange to me because they're describing a magical world and which parts are strange because it's British, mm. <laughs> which I've also heard that said about Harry Potter, like that Americans love Harry Potter, but they don't realize like, 50% of it is just like Britishness. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably had a, a slightly better sense of like, which of those things are which now. Um, <laughs> I think there's little things that I realized that like, I totally integrated because I read this book so much and was so obsessed with them. So there's some, I think he might be talking about this with the goddess. So they talk about sort of like cultivating like a vague expression. Um, yes. So that people don't know what you're thinking. I think it gets yes. referenced in like the other Christmassy books also. He's like, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I totally do the vague expression. Uh, it's very useful. 
Yeah. Or like, you know how we always used to joke when we were kids that like when we were grown up, I would live in your garret. Yes. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, I'm thinking about like Tackroy's garret because Tackroy is always kind of like, oh, I live in a garret and there's like a woman I love, but I could never ask her to share my garret. And it's like, you know, it's like that's where the garret came from. I think that's where it came from. I think it's like, I live in a garret. Because <laughs> when you first told Bye. me that, I didn't even know what a garret was. <laughs> I'm like, you know it's what? Attic, right? attic. attic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not gonna live in your attic now because your house is hella hot. <laughs> <laughs> the second floor is hot. You and the second floor is hot. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like California, so we don't really have good attics here. It's, we do not. Or we basements. Don't. No basements. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me let me see what notes I had. So my first <laughs> is I like Millie. Oh my god. So the goddess slash Millie is an amazing character. She's, She's so, so good. Great. And yeah. we've barely talked about her. I think that's a crying shame. So let's talk about Millie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the living a chef, essentially, like, because she loves these books so much that basically she trades the cat Throgmorton for, he brings her these books. He's like, what book should I get her? Or like, what books do girls like? And his <laughs> friend from boarding school is like, well, my sister really likes this series. And so he goes yeah. and he buys a bunch of them. And he's like, well, gosh, this this magical cat's worth so much. I got to buy her a ton of books. Yeah. So he goes back a couple times, bringers, brings her all of these Millie books. And she's like, oh, I just found out this last book. This happened and I need to know what happens. And she's like super obsessed. And it's like the best thing ever. Mm. Um, I like how she's like super smart, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like not afraid to to get what she wants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So there's a fantastic scene. This is one of my favorite. Well, they're they're all my favorite parts. But um, so Christopher goes to visit her, and um, she is kind of distraught because she's just realized that um, the the living goddess is always a young girl. So what happens when she's no longer a young girl? And they end up kind of like she wants she wants him to find out for her, and he's like, I can't. You know, I you know I'm not even supposed to be here. And so she uh, she traps him in a wall. There's this great description of she like makes the wall like kind of like jelly and just like pushes him into it and freezes it. So he's stuck in this wall all night. Yeah. Uh, and it's just running around and they're kind of like fighting. And uh, so she's, you know, she's, she's tricking him. She's basically like actively working against him, which is another thing. Great. Diana Wynne Jones sort of like morality are people bad or good, you know, <laughs> like, but eventually they, she, they so prison people. <laughs> yeah. You know, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, and she then actually, uh, it turns out later the reason why she's able to travel between worlds is she actually stole one of Christopher's lives and used it as sort of like an anchor. Just uh, <laughs> yeah. great. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so she's, uh, she's really quick on her feet. She's smart. Uh, she's, uh, you know, willing to you know do what what she needs to do but she also has this like sense of honor where she's kind of like learned by reading boarding school books <laughs> like yeah she does it's like you I have to honor your <laughs> like you can't yeah, yeah you can't leave your heads behind you have to like you know honor you have to like uh confess when you do something wrong <laughs> like she was so into confession at the it's end so cute it's so cute she's the best yeah she's like, I have to punished <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's like i don't deserve to go to school it's so cute yeah, yeah. Yeah, we so, can also mention the uh, the Temple Cats because the the Temple Cats are also fantastic. There's this like really mean uh, old old cat named uh, Throgmorton, which is the cat that cat. 
that he has a smelly cat that like uh, Christopher gets as a swap. And uh, uh, he doesn't know this, but his uncle wants a temple cat because uh, like basically you can sell their organs and component parts for like a ton of money. They're magical, uh, yeah. Yeah, but also it's a like, uh, you know, multi-lived, like somewhat magical, uh, intelligent cat. So uh, Throgmorton mm-hmm. runs away and ends up at Crestomythy Castle. And there's a fantastic, this also like we were talking about the book just being really funny. Um, there's this great, a scene where uh, Uncle Rafe is like trapped in a, a sort of a magical, a magical like a pentacle kind of, yes. um, with Throckmorton who like yes, so understands that like you know Uncle Rafe was trying to sell his organs, um, and he's like you know wearing a suit of armor to protect himself, and so they're like let's give the cat a chance, so they like magic the armor away, and then Throckmorton just like tears him to shreds. Um, it's fantastic. But I just picture like Wolverine. Well, he's like a uh, like a three headed, seven footed, like, you know, bundle of claws. That's also, I don't I don't know if this is a, a British ism or a Diana Jones ism, but like the sound that Throgmorton make is Wong. He goes like Wong, Wong, Wong. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know why that is. Like, I guess I guess cats kind of make that noise. But yeah. Um, Oh, so, okay, so I wrote in part of my notes, I'm like, why does Throgmorton say Wong? I'm imagining a Chinese cat. <laughs> I also weirdly felt that was, like, kind of Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why. <laughs> well, okay, so my mom always said, like, in the Chinese language, you know, like, every animal in different languages says different things, right? So they don't make the same onomatopoeia. Yeah. So my mom says that the noises dogs make in Chinese, they say wang, wang, wang. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same in Japanese, like wan, wan. Yeah. yeah. So like that's why I'm like, is 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 Throgmorton barking? Like, <laughs> <laughs> or is he just going like wang? Yeah. He's clearly <laughs> not though. He's like he's very much a cat. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very much a cat. It's yeah. pretty funny. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and he's 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 a great character. He's really, uh, he is also just yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, so this was a thought I had about um the whole concept of the living goddess because yeah. they're always young girls. I felt like the world um that she comes from that series felt like kind of like India because he describes yeah. it as like hot and humid. Yes. Yes. Right. And the, the goddess has uh, four arms. Yeah. And so when rereading it now. I was reminded of a documentary I had seen about the Kumari. I don't know what that is. So I think this is like in Nepal. Mm-hmm. They have something very similar where they have these young girls who they have to embody the living goddess in certain ways. And I think there's lots of different ones, but there's like some that are more famous than others. And they usually picked when they're like four, three or four. They're like very young and they have to have like, you know, skin like a you know, whatever, and limbs like a doe and, you know, yada, 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 right? Like, yeah. It, you know, like like a Buddha has to have certain physical attributes. Like, these yes. girls have certain physical attributes. As a living goddess, they live in a temple generally. They're mm. historically were very isolated and mm. they would remain an embodiment of this goddess until they had their first uh, menstruation. Mm-hmm. So, until they were like, you know, say 13, 14, 15 or whatever, um, and then they would basically be returned back to their families, mm. have had no education, mm-hmm. no social skills, mm-hmm. no nothing. They have they were very poor. So now, like, 
the government, I think, decreed that you actually have to educate them and mm-hmm. and sort of stuff, so they're not totally screwed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually like a real thing, like that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was reading that there was an actual um, one of the women. She was a Kumari for 20 years mm-hmm. like because she never had her period. Oh. So because she never had her period, she was like 25 or something. Mm-hmm. And I think they ejected her even though they didn't have a real cause to. They were just like, yeah, this is getting embarrassing. Like, yes. Yeah. Wow. But it was really interesting. So like I might mm-hmm. I'm probably trying to link that too because it's the, the 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 concept is actually super, super interesting. But in this in the in the real life version, they don't kill them. Okay. okay. Yeah. They're yeah. just, you know, yeah. Have no real future. Yes. No yeah. Education. Right. Which actually you find out at the very end that um generally they uh they try not to to uh actually kill the losing Athtest. They uh, just kind of kick them out, so it may actually be very similar to that. Yeah. Um it yeah. turns out what the the priestesses often do is just like take well a life off of the cats, which of course have nine lives because cats have nine lives. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, it actually, um, I talk about this book, you know, actually being pretty, pretty dark at times. Uh, the the resolution to that whole, um, you know, Christopher being stuck in a wall where the goddess is trying to figure out what happens to her is that um, she asks the goddess for a sign. And um, the mm-hmm. sign that the goddess gives her is that her cat, who is pregnant. Her favorite um, cat. Her favorite cat, her like her own pet cat. Um, gives birth to one kitten and then dies. And it's important the shows that like when when you know the goddess is no longer the goddess that she will also die. And so it's described really like simply but really well where the the goddess like says in a really calm tone of voice, it's like, oh, this Bethy's dead and that means that I'm gonna die too. And then she just screams and screams and screams. She just totally loses it. It's really chilling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, the 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 Mother, Mother Proudfoot, I think her name yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is like sort of the main priestess that really takes care of her and is, and has sort of indulged her. And it's sort of weird because it seems like they have a really good relationship. And you're like, oh, she's gonna have to kill her, you know? Right. <laughs> but yeah. she was saying that she's like, you know, you're my favorite one that I've ever had so far, and you weren't dumb like yeah. most people are. And <laughs> which is really harsh, by the way. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she says, she says that most of the time, like, she tries to get them educated or something like that or, you know, figure out something for them. But yeah. she's like, most of the time, they're just so dumb. You can't do anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think. Um... But I wonder if yeah. Dinah Wynne-Jones had heard of the Kamari. Yeah, I wonder. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever know. But it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's in Nepal, Nepal's pretty close to India. Was Nepal yeah. a British colony? Oh, man. I mean, it seems um, plausible. It's close. It's close. <laughs> it seems like the sort of thing that the sort of, you know, you might hear about. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very well it could be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's too too similar to be just like. Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I bet you're right, actually. That's That's super interesting. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting. There's a documentary which I think I saw, but like, don't know. I, I, it was a while ago, but I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. So let me see what else, what other notes I had. Oh, so literally, I think with the first 20 pages, you don't even know this world has magic. I think that's so interesting. Is that sort of like that slow release of information? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you have 
yeah. talking about his parents, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, BT Dubs, they're magicians. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I think he only knows because, like, the servants are kind of gossiping about them. Yeah. But, yeah, it's really restricted. It's like he's talking about he he is he's terrified that if he met his father in the street, he wouldn't recognize him. Okay. Um, he doesn't realize that this sort of, like, traveling between worlds that he can do is, like, not a normal thing, that other people don't do it. I think it's interesting. What's it's... another funny thing? Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess this goes back to the humor that she just builds into her books. So mm-hmm. when he goes to boarding school, he makes two friends, and then when they go, they buy a book and they buy Arabian Nights, and it has all. Uh, it's it's got all. It's like the original kind of translation, so it's pretty scandalous, especially for like. You know, tank yeah. Yeah. And then he goes to the castle. Dirty. And then yeah. they have a copy of Arabian Nights, but he said it had all the dirty bits taken yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else yeah. she said? She said World 12V was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he, uh, so he's, at one point, Christopher is trying to try to run away. And he thinks like, ah, oh, well, what would be tricky? I could just go to like someplace quite close. So he tries to go to 12B, but it sucks. He stays, so he only stays there for about five minutes. It's just like yeah. noisy and there's like cars rushing around in the street. The air smells. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my note was like, hey, that's our world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Sorry, okay. it's not the best. Yeah. But yeah, so um, I know we both read a collection of like essays and talks and stuff that Diana Wynne-Jones wrote. And what she mentions often is uh, when you're writing books for kids, like quite often um, what people say is like, oh, you should give kids books that are like about their lives or it's like about problems that are happening in their lives. She's like, no, what kids want is books that are like totally separate from their lives so they can like have a break from their lives and maybe think about like, you know, problem solving or being brave or like these other qualities that they might need but it like a totally removed situation so i think i think that's what's going on here whereas like christopher's reading the american the i'm sorry christopher's reading the uh, arabian nights but um you know the goddess who's basically living in the arabian nights like what yeah. she wants to read these boarding school stories <laughs> that's true that's true yeah that's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see that actually in like how books so like I read primarily fantasy and that was because like, you know, I mean, I live in a real world. I want to read about <laughs> dragons and yeah. knights and swords and like yeah. magic and all that. Like, I think that's really cool. You know, again, why like I always found D&D fascinating, why I loved like medieval like history because it's so different from what we experience. Yeah. And so that's what I gravitated to for books. But, like, even, like, when I had, like, teens, they would come into the library and they would want to read, they want they want to read books to escape as well, but they escaped in different ways. So they would read, like, problem novels where they have, like, these parents that are really awful and, like, abuse oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's a totally different way to approach the same mm-hmm. end goal, which is escapism, I guess. Right, right. But yeah, no, I mean, it's like when you're sad, you want to listen to like really, really sad emo music, right? Even though it's yeah. like more sad than your actual life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually asked one of my one of my teens once, and I was like, "Why do you like to read these? You know, these really <laughs> gruesome, like like yeah. child called it, like just deeply like super abused." And she's like, "Cause it's worse than my life." <laughs> you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. But again, the end goal is escapism. So I don't know. I I th- I think. I don't, fantasy is one of the more popular genres still among teens and like kids, like in the libraries. It's hard to find um, contemporary novels, I think. So let's see. 
Oh, this is this is hilarious. This is just me not knowing words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so at one point they said seesawed. Mm-hmm. So when I was reading that in my head, I was like, what is that word? I was like, seesawed. <laughs> like seesawed's not a word. And then I was like, oh, seesaw past tense. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was just like, I mean, it is a word. It's just like you very rarely see it. Yes. And then you just like divided it up wrong. Yeah. 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 It's like when you see those hashtags and then like the hashtags. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Really messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Else? Um, oh, so Takaroi is an elf. I get so yeah so uh, this is why I was like so appalled that you got the name of his series wrong is because they uh, they they said that at one point it's like you know your world knows a little bit about series 11s that's where you get the idea of elves because it's it's 11. Mm-hmm. But yes. Yeah, the elves are the worst. Oh, but so funny. They're so. Oh, that oh. whole so okay so they go to series 11 basically to um uh get back well, Gabriel's life. All of Gabriel's soul. lives. And then also uh, Christopher makes a play to like get back Takroy's soul. Takroy, uh, uh, Mordecai is captured. He, this whole plot is kind of revealed that he's been assisting in the Wraith smuggling operations. And essentially the entire time he's being interrogated, he is covering for Christopher. He does <laughs> not implicate Christopher in any of the smuggling, although literally they could not have done it without him because Takroy yes. can't bring stuff back. Only yeah. Christopher. Yeah. And so... He's like, why is he lying for me? Like, it was like an entire day of of um, interrogation. And he kept saying, like, no, it was all me. It was all me. Like, no, no one else helped me. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, all this stuff. Yeah. So he's he's realizing, like, oh, he's protecting me. Oh, he is my friend. Oh, my gosh. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the right. world is not black and white. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's to- also a great. Oh, it's so well written. But um, yeah. so. Takaroi slash Mordecai is sort of putting on this front like he's kind of like oh you know you caught me you know just like uh I know I was in it for the money you know I just yeah I was doing this under your noses the whole time he's kind of acting like this you know devil may care uh but the whole time he's he's just covering for Christopher mm-hmm. um and he's he's like doing this really well like he will you know hide things that implicates Christopher and then he'll like kind of drop little like actual crumbs of information. So they'll like run after that. Like he'll just yeah. drop a name or, and it's like, it's, and the whole time Christopher is just like, it's sitting there appalled, just like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's really, really good. <laughs> I love this book. You guys. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about series 11. Let's talk about series 11. Yeah. Okay. So they go to series 11 to try to do all these again these multiple goals that they have here the world is really weird so they talk about like they're kind of people but they're not really people because they're so different like yeah yeah it's essentially ruled by what was his name right the right right yeah it's weird but he's like kind of like their emperor yeah but also like super powerful and like you show your power by how much jewelry and furs you wear. Mm-hmm. So they wrap Christopher in a tiger skin rug. <laughs> yeah. And then they just pin all this jewelry all over him. Yeah. He's wearing like a like an a earring on his, you know, 
all over his tiger skins or something. It's really strange. It's funny. But like everyone there, they were like, oh, we, they consider you worse than everybody. Right. Like, right. Even and though, series 11 people are sort of like the real human beings and like everyone else is below them. Like an animal. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, we need to talk to this guy. And literally these people who are like farmers are like sticking their noses in the air and ignoring yeah. them. And, like, they'll do things like make them levitate, and the guy's trying to walk away, and he's ignoring <laughs> the fact that he's levitating, and right. just casually trying to walk away. Right. Like, no big deal. I'm right, not right, right. Yeah, yeah. But he, he can't show that he's, like, affected in any way, because that would, like, seed, you know, in the high ground, basically. Yeah. yeah. So snobby, and I kind of hate them, <laughs> and I kind of love them. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also great when you talk about sort of like Christopher's own like moral development. Um, so they're, they um, the whole plan is that they're going to make Christopher seem like he is the equal of the Drite. And right. so in order to show his own kind of like social standing, that means he has to be super rude to everyone he talks to. Yeah. Um, so they just like see a random person in the world. He's just like, hey, you, hey, you know, and just like orders him around. He realizes like, oh, man, like. I wore this like haughty expression on my face like all the time. I really was a terrible person. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but also you can see that it's 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 kind of fun, you know. Like, uh, um, he's he's trying to, you know, look down his nose at the drite, and the drite is like looking down his nose at him, and they're basically having kind of a um a contest to see who can condescend to the other one more. It's really good. <laughs> like, it's true. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder. So, you know, his. Diana Wynne Jones took classes with Tolkien. I'm sure she read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. And she, I mean, she's famously known for a series of books. Um, like one of them is called Tough Guide to Fantasy Land, which basically like both lambasts and celebrates fantasy tropes. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of those is definitely like the snobby elf concept, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. And, like in Lord yeah. of the Rings, like there definitely is this element of like, no, we're way better than all you guys. Yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. Like, we didn't have to and, tell you. Uh, it's so kind of true. Like, <laughs> they're ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the only good thing in the Hobbit movies is really is, is Lee Pace's Thrandil just being like, eh. like, yeah, anyways. But yeah, I wonder if it was definitely like, like a comment on, like, it was like her, basically her first, you know, meta commentary on fantasy mm-hmm. trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how ridiculous like the idea of elves are is that they're so snotty that they'll just ignore the fact that they're right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But they're also terrifying. Like they're um, it's a genuinely as kind of a scary sequence because they realize that sort of the series eleven magic is so totally different from their magic that they honestly are not really sure like what their what their powers even are. Yeah, it does work really different. The the worlds are ordered backwards, and so like series one is that supposed to be like the most different from our world then, right? Um, I guess so. Uh, I never really understood why they always say like, oh, they're numbered back to front. I always thought it was maybe because like series twelve is the last one, but they think they're like you know the normal one. <laughs> I'm not super sure. Yeah, but, I wasn't really clear on that. That they got to split the lives was from world one, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm like, what the heck is World One like? Because I yeah, don't think totally. they talk about it that much. So is is Crestomethy's like jurisdiction is like series twelve, right? Not the whole, not the whole shebang, not all the series. 
I don't think so. I think yeah. I think he visits them, but I don't think he has the whole universe because that would be right. like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, um, so the the or the the arm of Asheth like comes to get the goddess back, and it's not like they recognize Crestomathy's authority. Right, and like indefinitely, series eleven did not. Yeah, well, but you know, clearly they're the weirdos. Yeah. Well, they're so much better than us. They are. So this also, I think, is something that pops up in some of her other books. But like the description of uh of of series eleven, which is not a series, it's only one world because the the Dreit won't let the world split, yeah, because uh, it would like threaten his power. Uh, but it's described as sort of this like forest where the whole world kind of looks the same, like everything is very smooth and plain, and like um because basically the the magic users there are just screwing with them, like um. You can't really tell when you're walking if you're actually getting anywhere. Like geometry is all messed up, and it's like, yeah. it's really, it's really eerie. Like I remember as a kid, this really unsettled me. <laughs> Rereading it, I was picturing like in Monty Python when the knight is running and like not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it is like that though. <laughs> yeah, or they just, um, you know, they're walking along and they eventually realize like, oh wait, we're like. We're, we've been fenced in. There's like a fence all around us. How did that happen? It's just like, just normal physics doesn't work here. Mm-hmm. Okay, really so good. there's like a, a, a Christomancy wiki. <laughs> so series one is the oldest series of the related worlds. Ah, um, okay. Highly advanced technology has a form of transport ah. described as ring trains. Oh, yes, yes. Towers with hoops and the tops and the trains roar through speeds at enormous, through the hoops at enormous speeds without touching anything. Yeah. So they said it seems similar to another series of books by Robert Heinlein, which are like El, uh, Maglev. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 So it's really interesting. So yeah, um, maybe I'll link this, this wiki because it describes each world as much as there is in the books. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, got so distracted. <laughs> As one does. As one does. There's a lot in here. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I had any other notes. Mm. What happened to his school friends? Uh, you know, like never hear from them again. No, you really don't. Mm. It seems like a really strange tangent. Mm-hmm. Because other like there really isn't any a whole lot of lasting stuff there other than the fact that like he needed an outsider's perspective periodically and yeah so they just threw him in the boarding school yeah right? yeah 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 but it's also um i think it's it's kind of like the one point in his life where like a he was actually kind of happy but yeah. and B, he was actually doing what he wanted to do which was like you know hang out with his friends and play cricket does he get while he's at school he gets the idea that he wants to become a professional cricket player when he grows up mm-hmm. um and of course like he can't he has to be the crestomancy but it's like uh you know that it's, it's actually i feel like this um really struck me as a kid also because um his father basically like shows up at school like after he dies basically and mm-hmm. it's just like uh you know we're like we're leaving and he's like what what do you mean i'm, we're, I'm leaving i'm like at school he's like no we're leaving right now like they're, they'll send your suitcase later and he just leaves and he never even says goodbye to his friends yeah um, and it's you know i mean that's kind of like why he becomes such a such a you know snotty brat basically <laughs> is because he's just <clears throat> being jerked around like no one is listening <clears throat> to him right so, he doesn't I get mean, to play cricket he 
Yeah. He doesn't, get, he doesn't get to play anything. He just studies and he's studying magic that he's like, this is super easy. Mm-hmm. I already know how to do all this. Right. You know, like, right. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Why am I learning? Which also, uh, I didn't think about that until just now, but maybe this is something that you and I connected with in that, like, school never seemed to be, like, pitched at the right level, <laughs> you know? Either, yeah. like, school was really easy or it was really boring or it was, like, you couldn't see the point of it, you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, or like I sort of at, at the end of the book where um so uh there's a point where most of the main sort of like magic users at the castle like get their powers taken away and yes. that's basically leaves Christopher in charge um and so he's running around with um all the remaining people who can do any kind of magic and people who can just sort of like you know anything they can think of that will that will help them protect the castle and um Christopher's kind of having the time of his life you know he's like running around he's like coming up with all these ideas and they're like um so you it's this really just fun description of like <sighs> it's actually really cool because you know i mean if you think about like traditional old school british like hierarchies right yeah you have upstairs and downstairs yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and so yeah. most of the people in sort of what would be considered the upstairs world mm-hmm. yeah had their powers taken away mm. and so the only people left are essentially like gardeners scullery mm-hmm. maids yes the, yeah the foot the 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 boot boy the boot boy, the boot boot boy. boy. yeah <laughs> um yeah you know the people that were sort of like incidental magicians mm-hmm. but yeah he's being super creative mm-hmm. and he's like okay well you know you're a gardener so you're gonna defend by making this super brambly thing he's like because they're like we can't defend and we're like yeah. you're gonna make this huge like like all these thorns everywhere and you like know the cook is make... like i only know how to do cook magic and he's like well yeah. you can make poison or you right. could like, you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah it's super creative and apparently like the boot boy is an evil genius yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's these hilarious descriptions of the boot boy just gets this like you know evil look on his face and starts coming up with all these crazy magical booby traps that are just really funny yeah <laughs> it's really good yeah yeah but i think um just the sense of like God, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I mean, I feel like when you do things at school and you have to, you know, he's being taught, you know, sort of like magic in this very dry way that he's not very interested in. And then he finally gets to like kind of cut loose and like actually kind of exercise his powers. And like, you know, he loves it. It's super fun. I think that's also sort of like the uh, the wish fulfillment. If you could be just like, wow, you know, all this sort of like dumb, boring stuff that I have to do at school. Like imagine if I, you know, had a chance to do something for real. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I feel yeah. like that's sort of an indictment on the education system here, though, is because you feel like everything you learn is so separate, separated yeah. from the reality of how you might use it. Because, yeah. like, you learn American history and you're like, why do I need to know American history? Like, it's gone. <laughs> you know, like, then you find yeah. out, oh, it's, you know, yeah. so when you need to overthrow the president. Uh, <laughs> you know, or like, why do I need to learn math? Right. You know, but then I I always feel like the math we learn in school is non-practical math versus like, why don't we learn things like accounting, bookkeeping, how to do your taxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Right. And I think that's how he kind of feels like there's this like so much like theoretical stuff. He's like, I just want to do things because when he was with that one, um, who was it? Mr. Papa or something. Dr. Potson. Dr. Pawson, yeah. He um 
he was using a whole bunch of magic to like, I guess he had a tantrum and like broke everything in the house. Oh, this is actually a really good scene also. So um, so it turns out that if, if he's touching silver in any way, he can't do magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least for like a long time, people are trying to teach him magic and he just can't do it. And they're like, we don't get it. Both of your parents are so powerful. You should be a powerful musician. So this like, you know, I don't know what he's a doctor of, but he just like comes and looks at him and he just yells at him like empty your pockets. And he like takes everything out of his pockets, including his like lucky silver sixpence and his yep. silver tooth brace. Yeah. And then he does not like, OK, like try to levitate this this vase or something. And he like tries really hard and he just like levitates the entire house. Yeah. Um, and which like breaks the entire house basically and so for the Super next month or so yeah, 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 yeah. like he's just suddenly like off the leash um and so for the, the the next month or so like this doctor is like shouting at him like making him go all over the house and like okay this is how you fix the chimney and like this is how you fix the you know the the, the broken eggs and then this and then that and it's all very practical yeah yeah he likes it yeah it's fun yeah <laughs> yeah oh man there's just so many like, scenes in this. So in much this yeah. yeah. I don't know. Everybody read this book. So I have a, a bonus question. Why mm-hmm. is it that Diana Wynne Jones is not more popular? Oh, you know, I have so many feelings about this. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where like I was when I was working at the public library and I was like always trying to get kids to read like either this series or Dale Mark Quartet, which I actually really like too. I try to get people to read Howl's Moving Castle and it would never cirque. Wow. I don't know. Like I did force a couple of kids and then they liked it because I would tell them, I'm like, did you watch the Miyazaki? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, read this. I'm like, the tantrum scene is exactly the same. But like, <laughs> and it's great. <clears throat> it is great. It but is like great. there's so much more to yeah. the world. And it's like, I feel the movie is so Miyazaki'd. Yeah, it's so weird to me. I feel like if you had not told me that it was explicitly based on Hell's Moving Castle, I'd have been like, wow, it's so funny. It's like Miyazaki read Hell's Moving Castle once and then just like forgot about it for 20 years and then made this movie. Like it's It's like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can see the connections, but it's um, a lot more airplanes and flying things. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I do love um, the tantrum is hilarious. Um, yes. I do love just like what uh, like Howl's bedroom, um, yeah. and also the bathroom. <laughs> like, it's so good. That's exactly right. I think. But honestly, the book's better. Like I say, yeah. I say this with a lot of love for you know Studio Ghibli, but like the book's better. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why it's not more popular. I mean, so like, I mean, if you're gonna compare it to again Harry Potter, the writing style is different. Mm-hmm. frankly Dinah Wynne Jones writing is much better better for sure it's much better yeah. I think she had better editing <laughs> uh, editing at all right her editor uh, JK Rowling's editors gave up it's really rough I feel like it's you know you, you can't you can't kill the goose that's making this land the golden eggs but like yeah they should have they really they should have yeah like you can't just say everything you write is gold like we can't no. touch anything and I'm like no 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tighter. It's, it's true. But yeah, just like anytime anyone gets super famous, then people are like afraid to say no to them. And I'm like, no, you need to say no. Like occasionally. But like, you know, I mean, again, if you're going to talk about like the writing style, I feel like in modern like children and teen literature, it's so much faster paced. But we were this just talking about how this book is wild to kind of build up. So that, actually, that's true. That's true. 
And I think Diana Wynne Jones in general is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It in no way kind of panders panders to the reader. Like you mentioned Archer's Goon, which and I love Archer's Goon, but like I, I probably <laughs> it probably took me at least like three reads before I felt like I kind of understood what was going on. It's very much in that same all of the thing we've been talking about is like at the beginning of the book, the main character has no idea what's going on. And it like very gradually comes to understand what's going on. Uh, maybe not at all, <laughs> but it's so good. Yeah. So she's really committed, I think, to um, letting the reader figure things out. Uh, yeah. Whereas there's really like if you're figuring things out in Harry Potter it's because you're just you're constructing headcanon, which is super fun. But it's, um, you know. You Harry don't have Potter to take is deep, so you know? like direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you hear the name and you're like, oh yeah, that guy's a bad guy. You know, like there's no <laughs> subtlety <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you're like, you know, you hear a name like Snape and you're like, oh yeah, that guy is gonna be a bad guy. Although maybe not, but like, pretty much, he's still yeah, a jerk. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just, I mean, I, I love this this thing so much of just like realizing that you're being a bad person. But like, imagine if like two thirds of the way through Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy was like, holy shit, I'm an asshole. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah, that would be so great. Yeah. <laughs> Draco's character would be so much more interesting instead so of being super one dimensional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, mean, I feel like. There's so much to her characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you look through her catalog of book covers, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I mean, that does play a lot into it. You know, there is that common belief. I mean, Harry Potter did shatter this somewhat, but that also, like, <laughs> kids wouldn't read long books. Mm. You know, well, so, even, like, I mean, the first one's really short. The first one is really short. But, like, the second, the one, this one wasn't. I think it's over. Oh, no, no, I mean, like, the first Harry Potter book is really short. Yeah, but the fourth book is, like... Oh, super fat. <laughs> yeah. But that was, already, that was a runaway phenomenon by then. And yeah, and then it gets ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the, the actually, publishers talk about this. Um. And actually, Tamara Pierce talked about this, where she said Harry Potter, um, the popularity of those books, and because those books were very long, and publishers were saying that, yes, an eight-year-old will read a 700-page book if they really like it, allowed her to publish longer books. But, you know, when these books were published in the 80s and 90s, maybe people just thought, like, well, no, they're way too long, you know, mm-hmm. like they're just yeah. too dense for children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe it's just too British. Cause they're super British. But, like, I feel like that's what people actually like about Harry Potter is it's Britishiness. But they're they're and, and, and at the risk of losing our one listener, um, <laughs> they're not super sophisticated books. They're not. Right. And I would say I would say Dinah Wynne Jones, again, is there's so much nuance to it. Like you really have to. I don't know, I guess, examine it more to understand it. Right. Right. Because it's not just going to say like, you know, Dumbledore killed Snape, you know, like it's not it's not super. (laughs) It was the other way. But yes. (laughs) Oh, Snape killed Dumbledore. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like, it's a bit difficult for me to tell because of how many times I've reread this books. But I felt like when I was rereading it, I didn't really feel like, oh, I'm reading a kid's book. But if I dig deep, I can sort of like feel, you know, what's good or what's bad about it. Like, I felt like I was just reading a book. 
Um, it does feel like a kid's book. Like, I mean, when you read a kid's book, like now, like Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something like that, right? Again, the writing and the tone is so different. And the, I was reading James Patterson. Well, James Patterson's known for this anyways. Like super short chapters and like just this quick, this quick pace. Like she, this could completely be, like Christopher could be older, just a very naive adult. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but I I do feel like she writes fairly credible children. But I'm, yeah, I'm not, I I don't know what age Christopher is. If they didn't tell me, I think he could have been anywhere from like eight to like fifteen. Okay. Because the way he acts, you don't know. Like, is he just is he a naive fifteen year old? Right. Is he yeah. a well learned eight year old? Right, like, right. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's actually, I don't know. There are sophisticated nine-year-olds and there are naive 15-year-olds. So, yeah, who yeah. knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying it's like a flaw. It's just to me, no. I, was, I literally did not know when I first started to reread this book. I was like, gosh, he's like 10. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, guess the only thing I would point to is that, um, so as we learn in Charmed Life, uh, Christopher and Millie actually end up getting married. And mm-hmm. like, there's no... There's really no romance in the book at all. Like they're yeah. they're they're friends. friends. So probably if they were older, there would be some sort of like more tension there. But that's like really the only thing I can think of. Um, and he does have this very kind of like weird, isolated upbringing. So he could very well be like a naive 15 year old. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Diana Wynne Jones has written a couple of books that are considered uh, books for adults. But I honestly think that's just like a marketing category like a um deep secret which is a uh considered a book for adults it's like you find it in the the normal like science fiction fantasy section i feel like the only real difference is like the characters are adults and not children and there's yep. like maybe some reference to sex but like it doesn't feel that different like it feels like her conception of like the sophistication of the reader is not different yeah language is not different i feel like that like i haven't read fire and hemlock in a long time but Mm -hmm. i think in the beginning the main character the girl is like a kid right right yeah it goes all the way through her like adolescence to to adulthood yeah Yeah. and so like i mean like i think at the end of the book there's like a romance but like in the beginning like it could be almost like she's not changing the tone of how she writes or the style Mm -hmm. or the language like the sentence structure yes yeah she doesn't dumb down her writing for kids yeah 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 it's just that again the sort of like um what the main character understands to be how the world works just changes as the character gets older mm-hmm. i wonder let me see the accelerated reader and see if they have anything on diana Wynne jones do you know what accelerated reader is no i don't so accelerated reader is this thing that t- um librarians really don't like um, uh-huh. in general <laughs> it is like a rating system for books to rate like complexity essentially Mm. and so you know because librarians our concept is like you read what you want to read yeah yeah, right we want you to read as much as you can yeah and not limit you based off of like right you know did they use big enough words yeah are the sentences (laughs) long enough yeah yeah yeah. all that because when you read a series most authors are not thinking about that. They're just trying to write a good story. 
And so you may have one book in a series that's a three point something, another book that's a two, and another book that's a five. Oh, I Uh, see. Yeah. And it's super different. So, like, the numbers are, like, say if the book is a 2.4, that actually means second grade, fourth month. What? No way. That's way too fine brained. It's supposed to be. Like, where you should be reading at second grade, fourth month. That's insane. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And certainly that's how you and I read books as a kid. We just read random books. Like, no one was guiding us. (laughs) We read tons of stuff that we were, like, not old enough for. Yeah. Let me see. Look how we turned out. (laughs) We just read whatever we wanted. Yeah, it was fine. (laughs) But, like, a lot of schools use this now. Oh, yeah. They they have tests related to them. See, that's the yeah, they have to like. And also they are like because so this is the thing, like we were good readers and we had good comprehension. Mm -hmm. And like if you didn't know a word, like you'll learn it from context. Context, yeah. But like for some other people, like when they read a book and then they're like, I don't know these words, I just get frustrated and I'm going to stop reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they want you to like read at your quote unquote level. Boo. Yeah, I have feelings. Boo. Yeah. So Deep Secret, uh-huh. they have rated at 5.5 book level. Fifth grade, fifth month? Yeah. And they uh-huh. say interest level is upper grades, so it's high school. Huh. High school interest level. Trying to see what else they have. Fire and Hemlock, which again I would consider an adult book. Mm-hmm. They put it nine through twelve. I, I, <laughs> I mean, we read it in ninth through twelfth grade. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Book level uh, is five point five. So you know, I mean, but that's not the the reading level is like not necessarily your interest level because mm-hmm. most books aren't written past a fifth or sixth grade reading level, frankly. Interesting. Okay. Right. I mean, if you think about it, really, most things aren't super hard to read unless that's it's true. Like Ulysses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. So people, parents would come in a lot and they were like, my kid is reading at like a 12th grade level and they're 10 years old. And what do they read? And I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> right. So you're like, I need something that's super complex and has uh-huh. lots of vocabulary, but doesn't yeah. have like crazy adult themes. Yeah. This is very hard to find. Did you know that's why uh, my mom gave me Watership Down to read in sixth grade? Because, like, we had this assignment in sixth grade that we were supposed to, like, read a book and, like, make a list of, like, 20 vocabulary words that you didn't know. And I was like, there's no such book. And so my mom gave me Watership Down and I wrote down, like, all of these, like, names of English plants. (laughs) Like, (laughs) because all those, like, botany vocabulary in Watership Down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what class was that? That was uh um 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 Miss Austin. Oh, did I do that homework assignment? Well, I mean, you were clearly you were assigned it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of homework that I didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. So the Live of Christopher <laughs> Chant is a five point eight. So it's higher than Deep Secret. Yeah. Fascinate. Yeah. So again, like I, she does not dumb down her writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because content-wise, like it's not the subject matter. I mean, it's complex, but it's not going into mm-hmm. like detail, like graphic details. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but most of her books seem to be written at like a five point something level. Okay. So I could see like you're not going to recommend it to like most elementary school kids because it's well, I guess they have to be reading at age level. Eat burn. Uh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I didn't know that's why you read Watership Down. Yep, that's exactly why. <laughs> I think you gave it to me, and I think I could not get into it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was also really traumatized by the movie. My mom rented it before. Uh, see, I never, I to this day have not seen the movie because I've heard it's so traumatizing. <laughs> I only remember, like, rabbits being crushed in bulldozers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, really graphic. That happens. But... In the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. kind of artistic the way they do it, but it's also really traumatizing when you're sure, like sure. 11. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, it's an intense book, but it's like, it's a lot easier to read about that stuff than like watch it happen, I think. Yeah, I can read about crazier things than Yeah, for sure. Watch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if, if you know, it's, it's so weird because I, so many people claim her as an influence on their writing, like Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. is super influenced her by her. Uh, yeah. Diana Jones actually said that she, when people were comparing her and J.K. Rowling, and she's mm-hmm. like, maybe J.K. Rowling read my books as, when she was younger and just forgot. But like Neil Gaiman and her were like friends, yeah. and yeah. you know, like so. I mean, I feel like she's kind of like a writer's writer. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I wonder if she was ever really like like pushed that heavily in America because um, finding anything she wrote when we were kids, it was like always like if I found a book by her mm-hmm. that I had not read before, it was like this total treasure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, maybe it is, it is an American versus British thing. Like again, like Terry Pratchett is. Mm-hmm. It took a while for Terry Pratchett to like make it but, in America. Yeah. But like huge in the UK. Huge right? in the UK. Right. And so I wonder like if again, if we had any British listeners ever, like <laughs> if they could speak to this about yeah, like, yeah, yeah. maybe she yeah. has a much bigger following over there. Right. You know? Right. But like I remember with lots of bitterness, I was like, why is Potter <laughs> so famous and J.K. Rule or you know, and, and yeah. Diana Jones doesn't get as much like popularity or acclaim because I was always because again, her writing is so so strong and it's so good mm-hmm. and there's so much mm-hmm. going on in it. And like I felt like like the plotting is better like it's just better yeah 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 and she like deserved better yeah yeah but you know she 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 wrote all her life she was super prolific i hope she got everything she she needed or wanted <laughs> like i don't know like yeah. she lived off of it i'm assuming yeah 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 so i don't know but yeah i but anytime i hear anyone like reference her it like almost freaks me out because it's so rare oh this is what this is why ar sucks so i'm <laughs> and book mm-hmm. levels it's all yeah. in the sixes and sevens what but you know why because why? they're probably looking at word length uh-huh. and if you make up a lot of fake words <laughs> yeah yeah then it bumps the levels. This is yeah. why, like, a lot of Star Wars books have really high levels as well. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, wow, I don't know that one. <laughs> yeah, because that word's not real. So it's, That's like, totally fake. Fair. You know, you talk about, like, the Empire, you know, like, yeah, or yeah, midichlorians yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. an artificially long word. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. 
yeah, they're all like sixes and sevens, but I think it's because it's um Well yeah. All right. Having just learned about the system, I, I declare it uh bunk. Is it bunk. is bunk. It's yeah. bunk. Yeah. My son's <laughs> school uses it and I, I get it because like it's a it's a shortcut, it's a tool mm-hmm. for measuring kids, but I mean from a reader's standpoint, like they said, it doesn't create people who love to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not measuring something that, like, actual readers care about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. It's, 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 it, yeah. If you ever become a teacher, mm. that's going to be. Okay. Oh, let me, let me see. Do we have questions? What, are, what, any? Yeah, anything left? Do, do, do. do. <laughs> Your other adaptions. If so, better or worse, how did it influence memories of the book? Uh, right. I don't think they've made any movies of these. No. Other than... Howl's Moving Castle, I think that's the yeah. only one they've done. I don't think it would make a good movie. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I think to make it a good movie, you would have to be very, very clever about how you um, kind of set up the world, if you do the, the world building. Um, I think it's sort of a straightforward adaptation would be yeah. pretty flat. Yeah. I think if they were going to do it, like a limited series TV show. Maybe. Like good omens, right? Like yeah, sure, 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 sure. I mean, as we've yeah, like sure. been saying, there's just a ton of plot, so you either have to like cut or make it yeah, longer. Yeah, make it longer. Neil Gaiman can do anything. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that the Good Omens TV show wasn't gonna be wasn't gonna be good, and it was good. I'm 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 impressed. Yeah, I actually I really liked it. Um, I need to reread the book because I haven't. Mm-hmm read it probably since college high school okay. college yeah, yeah yeah i i deeply deeply love the book i was also super super into it but uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay um mm-hmm. would you still recommend this book clearly yes yes everyone read this book <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't wait until like i can actually force wesley to read more books like because mm. there's just so many things i want to introduce him to and i feel like this yeah. podcast has reminded me of how many things I loved mm-hmm. you know and wanted to read and now mm. I'm like oh you know now I want Wesley to read them and mm. you know he just wants to read Minecraft books and there's Minecraft books yeah wow there's apparently like a plot <laughs> I didn't know there was a plot oh my god so I ran into like two administrators of our department, like on the subway, and one of them was just like, "Hey, you know, you're a you're a CS student. Like, can you explain Minecraft to us?" And I was like, "I cannot. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've never played it. I'm like not the right generation. I don't understand Minecraft." So apparently, Minecraft is like ten years old. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, "Yeah, it's like some new thing that I don't know about." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but like it's still really, really popular. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it looks so crappy. Like it's totally. intentionally crappy. Yeah, which is weird because kids these days, you know, when we when we play games that look like that, it's because we had to. <laughs> there was no technology. Yeah, yeah. Those were all the bits that we had. <laughs> I don't know. It's really it's, but it's super popular. Like kids love it, and they love Roblox, which looks just about as crappy. I don't know. I don't think I could even get Wesley to explain why he likes it. He just does. Sure. I'm trying to think. Uh, do we have anything else? I think we we've gushed about this book I enough. I think we've gushed about it enough. I think we've we've mentioned before that we could easily do like another couple episodes about Diana Wynn Jones. So maybe uh, further down the line we'll do Howl's Moving Castle or something. At, yes. Uh, 
Yes. Uh, but Diane Wynne Jones, uh, unjustly neglected. Everyone get right. out there, make it right. Read read a couple of her books. Um, yeah. Stick with them. Make me proud. Yeah. What are we reading next time? I forgot. Oh, I forgot also. We say my side of the moon. Oh, maybe it was. <laughs> All right. Well, we reserve the right to change our minds, but yeah. No, let me see. Let me check my list. Okay. I check it. Mm. do. <laughs> I think it was my side of the mountain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, join us next time. We'll be reading uh, My Side of the Mountain. By Elizabeth George Spear? No, Jean Cricket no. George. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I get for some reason I get them mixed up because they have the three three yeah. name <laughs> three name names. Okay. We'll throw in uh uh, uh Zilpha Keely Snyder. Uh. <laughs> I think is is there George in both of their names? Oh, that's what it is. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Not the same person. I'm sorry. Not the same person. I'm sorry, authors. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks to our loyal uh, listener or listeners. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll uh, mm. we'll be talking with you again soon. Yeah. Or you know, in a, several weeks, whatever. Okay. Someday we'll return. Okay. We'll return. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.